0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm awfully glad to be with you right now. I'm looking forward to uh, our time together. And, you know, over the last uh, few decades, we certainly in this country have experienced a pretty profound post-Christian cultural shift to which we all collectively go, oh, no, but it's true. And we need uh, people that can speak into this situation. My guest today is uh, one that can do that. Um, Aaron Pierce is my guest. He's um, with Stagger International, and he is has written a book called Not Beyond Reach, How to Share Jesus with the Young, the Deconstructed, and the Non-Religious. Aaron, so nice to have you here. Thanks, Bill. It's so good to be here. Yeah. Uh, first of all, congrats on the book. Uh, were you a kid that liked homework growing up? Because you, <laughs> uh, you, you created some for yourself by writing a book.
1: Oh, seriously, writing a book is a process. Yeah. <laughs> About 18 months to 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 produce and I guess a lifetime experience beyond that. But it was a it was a labor of love for sure, but nonetheless challenging.
0: Yeah. Now, you uh, first of all, I'm a big fan not only of your ministry, but your dad um, and you you grew up kind of in um, Europe. Didn't you spend a lot of your your, your formative years over there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my parents were missionaries in Amsterdam,
0: in the Netherlands. Yeah. And you thought hash was hello.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I grew up, um, literally, we lived in a small little apartment in the center of the city. And, you know, Europe and Amsterdam in particular is kind of, you know, quintessential post-Christian So that was literally the environment I grew up in. So it's why I have such a passion for reaching post-Christian culture today.
0: Yeah. I don't want to leave people out of our little private joke here, but uh, your dad, when you were a baby, would carry you around. And there was so much drug dealing going on in the neighborhood uh, and people asking for literally hash. So you thought hash was uh, a greeting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, oh, that's just a friendly way of greeting people. It turns
0: (laughs) out not so much, but, you know, people are... Yeah. But anyway, let's get to uh your your desire. You obviously want to share the gospel in our post-Christian context and I love that, but um just talk a little bit if you would about your growing up uh, in Europe and I think New Zealand yeah. as well, what it was like for you yeah. and wh- why now? Why now do you want to do what you're doing?
1: Yeah, so my upbringing in Europe and also in New Zealand, which is a very secular, progressive country, both of those things very much shaped my heart for people who grow up in this secular context. So I grew up in Amsterdam, as I mentioned, my parents were missionaries. They had a heart to reach young people of Amsterdam that wouldn't walk into a church, which in a city like Amsterdam, that's pretty much everyone. Yeah. They, they see these big beautiful cathedrals and in many cases they're literal museums and closed on Sunday and wow. that's, you know, that becomes their view of God, right? Just a dead empty tradition of the past not relevant to my life. And so that was the post Christian context that my parents found themselves in. And so my dad, and he tells these stories, you know, he would go to bars and clubs and nightclubs and, and he would befriend people and then share the gospel. And then they would write down the names of everyone they met and they would go out into the forest and they would pray all night over these people and just asking God for broken heart mm. for these people and a way to connect the gospel uh, relevantly with them. And it was in that context that my dad felt like he should start a band uh, because it was in the 80s. It was the height of the punk rock movement. That was kind of the music social movement of the time. And so he started a punk band, believe it or not, uh, as a tool to share the gospel in secular places. And they saw people come to Jesus in these environments. And that was the environment I grew up in. So I got to basically, like, I remember my dad would take me and my brother on tour with him with this band, and we'd be in some club somewhere in, like, in Eastern Europe or something, and there would be, you know, all these people watching the show, and at some point, he would bring me and my brother on stage, and he would say, these are my sons, I love them, there's nothing I wouldn't do for them, everything that I have is theirs, and, it, and if someone tried to hurt them, I would protect him with my life, and then he would say, and that's how God feels about you. And he would equate a father's love for his children with God's love for them. And I saw people in that environment with tears in their eyes praying to receive Jesus. Mm. And it completely ruined me because I saw how the power of God to transform lives. So it was a, I would say, an incredibly privileged upbringing because I got to experience God's power at work outside the church.
0: All oh, right. I, Aaron, I can just imagine those broken hearts hearing a loving father talk, uh, talking about, I yeah. will do anything for these boys. I mean, I, I'm tearing up right now thinking about it. It's just so yeah. sweet. And not to mention, I just think your dad is just amazing and a little nuts, which is what I love about him. Uh, <laughs> because it's yeah. that it's that little nuts about him that makes him so bold and so uh, such a calculated risk taker for the Lord. I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. He's,
1: you know, God's really used him both in terms of Having what I'd say it's courage, right? So courage, I would, I would describe my dad as courageous and courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the willingness to do what God's called you to do despite the fear and to go where he calls you to go. And then, you know, to use creativity and things outside of the box to communicate God's love and the truth of the gospel to people who would not walk into a church. That's how he's been used. And that's really shaped the DNA of our mission and and me personally.
0: Yeah. Aaron Pierce is my guest. He's the international mission director of stagger international. It's a global mission organization and it's dedicated to mobilizing followers of Jesus to reach young people who would not walk into a church of which there are many All right, Aaron, um, let's uh, give me some reasons why young people are starting to deconstruct their faith. Maybe start by saying what deconstructing their faith means.
1: Yeah, so the idea of deconstruction, I mean, it doesn't have to be necessarily a negative thing, but it's the idea that you're beginning to question what you believe and deconstruct Some of those beliefs. And sometimes that can be a healthy process where if you just believe what you believe, but you've never really questioned that, that's not a very strongly held belief. And so it can be the process of questioning those beliefs. Um, But what happens a lot today is people question and deconstruct and don't reconstruct their beliefs. They just, or they, what it does is the deconstruction leads them to walk away from the church and their, and their belief in God. And a lot of young people today, are are doing that. You know, there there's a Barna study that came out a while back that said that nearly two thirds of eighteen to twenty nine year olds have deconstructed their faith, walked away from the church. Um nearly two thirds of those that grew up in the church have deconstructed. And so it's a very common thing, right? It's not just trends and statistics. These are our brothers and our sisters and our sons and daughters. So it's many people have walked away from the church. It's a common challenge we're facing.
0: Mm -hmm. Aaron, I see one of the strategies of the enemy would be to not convince you to walk away from your faith and join him, but to walk away from your faith and make it all about you. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, that's, that's, that's an easier sell. Because uh, you may not turn me into a Satanist, but maybe you'll turn me into someone who's only—I uh, only care about me.
1: Yeah, and that—that you nailed it. Which is that is the God of this age. So, you know, Second Corinthians four four says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, and so we're dealing with this a spirit—a generation that has been spiritually blinded—and the God of this age is not necessarily like kind of this uh, overt satanic i have you know religion but what it is is it's it's really it's secular humanism which which says that you know essentially god has been replaced man is at the center and there's no outside authority that can tell me how to live my life i i i all well, the truth is defined by me it's the era of my truth and identity purpose and morality is all self-constructed that's that's the ideology of our day that so many people are buying into.
0: Yeah. Aaron, isn't it safe to say, let's in, let's invite each other into conversations about possible misinformation you had growing up? Because haven't we all had some misinformation about our faith? And if we're going to be careful about deconstructing, which is, I think you, you and I have both agreed that's an okay thing, as long as we construct, uh, right. we, we reconstruct. Um you know, if somebody said to you, uh you know, if you don't shovel your neighbor's walk when there's, you know, three feet of snow in the driveway, you're not going to heaven. You know, that's that's what right. you live with for so many years. Well, let's deconstruct that. Right. Yeah.
1: let's see, that's exactly right. And actually it's interesting. I would say a lot of times the reason that people walk away, younger people walk away from the faith is that they have these wrong ideas about what it means to follow Jesus or yes. wrong ideas of the world. It's like a think of it like a Jenga puzzle, you know, those puzzles where it's like a tower. And then you pull the pieces out. Yep. And what where I think sometimes it goes wrong is we've placed these foundational pieces of, below Jesus. So in other words, that you know things that we believe about the world or about you know what it means about Jesus. That when they get removed later in life, our faith crumbles with it, and it's unnecessary. And so you know there there a lot of reasons people walk away from the Lord is because you know sometimes we 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 isolate from the world and we have this idea that. Everyone outside the church is miserable and immoral people. And then when you go to college and you're like, "Hey, these people are actually nice and they they care about justice," and you're like, "Oh, that's not my view of people outside the church." And you pull that jenga piece out, and maybe your faith begins to crumble when it didn't need to. Amen. Because those, you know, so it's exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah, you know, and then I think we also have this ego and pride, which is, at what point did you stop? Uh, growing in your understanding of God's Word. You know, it's like if I said to you, hey, Aaron, uh, I've got some friends coming over uh, who are from um, uh, Spain, so you'll be able to speak Spanish with them. And you go, oh, well, hang on. I took I took one year of Spanish in high school. You know, it's like, I I can't do that. And I think a lot of us, our, our understanding of, of God and everything stopped when we were like in middle school or high school. And maybe we yeah. didn't learn much beyond that. And now we have to admit as adults... Uh, we're a little ignorant, which is not easy to do. Yeah, I would
1: agree. And I think maybe one of the ways that oftentimes we, maybe we have the knowledge, but we haven't put that knowledge into practice. And, And so that maybe is where we get stunted, right? Because so much of what we learn is how we take what we read in the Bible and we put it into practice and we see the truth of the word of God play out in the world, that's when it comes alive. That's when our faith comes alive. And so I think sometimes we've talked, we've stopped taking risks. We've talked, stopped taking the word of God seriously. And so we don't experience his power. I, I believe one of the reasons people are walking away from the church is because they've, as it says in, in Timothy, second Timothy, that they, they, they had a form of godliness that denied its power. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. it's this sense of, you know, I have the, I've stopped. Because so much of what I believe is really reflect, reflected in how I live, and that's when you experience God's power. That's when the Word of God becomes real. I can think of moments where I was in situations where I needed God to move, and the the, the truth of Scripture was so powerful in those moments. And it's because I was putting my faith into practice. So I think a lot of people they don't experience the transformational power of God in their life because they've stopped living it. And, and so you begin to question it. Why wouldn't you? Right. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so I think the challenge is we need to continue to walk in faith, continue to step out and, and live this faith out. And that's when you experience the power. That's when it comes alive. And sometimes that, that's what's walking, why we're walking away is we're not seeing that anymore.
0: Aaron, I like your comment on application. It reminds me of, uh, you know, the guy who writes five books on swimming. And then falls in and drowns, although he wrote five books, he never got into the water.
1: Yeah. I'm just yeah, full exactly. of
0: analogies today. I don't know what's gotten into me.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> so yeah.
0: Yeah. Let me take a little break. Aaron Pierce is my guest. He is uh, uh international missions director at Steiger International, amazing organization. You can go check it out. S-T-E-I-G-E-R dot org. Steiger.org. Steiger.org. And when we come back, we're going to continue uh, talking about his book, Not Beyond Reach, How to Share Jesus with the Young, the Deconstructed, and the Non-Religious. We'll be right back.
2: Do you feel tired? I mean, spiritually tired? Are you struggling? Have you been disappointed or feeling let down? I want so much to take you on a journey and encourage you to explore God's invitation to flourish and heal and know his peace in a way that will change you forever. I recorded some audio pieces just for you. Text the word good to 877-933-2484 and together we'll take a journey as we wake up to the goodness of God. God loves you. He's got good plans for you and he wants you to trust him. Connecting faith to life. Faith Radio.
0: Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good. I wanted you to hear it again. I sure like so enjoy. A to talk to Aaron Pierce. He's written a book called "Not Beyond Reach: How to Share Jesus with the Young, the Deconstructed, and the Non-Religious." In the last couple of decades, the fastest growing religious group is the religiously unaffiliated, according to Pew Research, and nearly half of Gen Z has no religious affiliation, and nearly two thirds of uh, 18 to 29-year-olds here in the U.S. who grew up in church have left the church. That's from the Barner Research Group. So as a result, there are all millions of uh, Gen Zs that will not step foot in a church. And we can talk about these kids from a statistical standpoint, but you and I both know the truth. These are our sons, our daughters, our friends, and our coworkers, and people that we dearly love and care about. So thank goodness uh, we're having this discussion, and Aaron Pierce has written his book that can help us uh, build trust and friendships and uh, do all kinds of really good stuff. All right, Aaron, uh, let us uh, let me ask you, um, what, is it, what does it mean to be like a cross-cultural missionary to your own people in your own city?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, it's, and it's kind of a key thing to understand if we're going to know how to reach our culture today. Because there, there's actually a, a big difference between uh, evangelism and uh, being a, a cross-cultural missionary. the The idea of a cross-cultural missionary is you contextualize the gospel for a foreign culture. And, and so, if I were called mm-hmm. to be a missionary to China, for example, well, I would have to obviously, I, well, ultimately, I'd have to go there, but I would also have to learn the language understand what is influencing the worldview, uh, their lifestyle, their, their morality, and, and ultimately their felt needs, all the things that shape how they see the world, and then learn to communicate the uncompromised, un, you know, the truth of the gospel, but in a way that connects. The One of our, our values in Steiger is we want to communicate the cross with relevance and sometimes people get nervous because they think that means oh we're going to water it down or or change it to make it more palatable but relevance is really about how do we communicate the gospel in a way that it's understood mm, amen that that people get it now they may still reject it but they understand it and so often we don't realize that we are communicating in a way drawing on assumptions that secular people do not share. And so they don't actually understand in a a compelling way the gospel that we're communicating. And so the idea is, how do I contextualize the gospel for a secular post-Christian culture in order for them to truly grasp the truth of the gospel? That's that's what it means to be a a cross-cultural missionary to a post-Christian culture.
0: Mm -hmm. And Aaron, does that also involve asking a lot of questions?
1: Uh, Always, right? It's (laughs) it's all about... It's all about understanding not only kind of the broad cultural context, but the individual context of the person you're talking to, like understanding where they're coming from. What do they what do they believe? You know, so often it's about trying to discern, of course, through great questions, but also the Holy Spirit trying to discern what are those things that are obscuring or or distorting their view of Jesus and the message of the cross. And by asking good questions, we're able to figure those things out so that we can speak to those things that are getting in the way of them understanding who Jesus is.
0: Yeah, I've often, uh, when I talk to people and they say, well, you know, I really walked away from anything religious. And I would, I'll often say, well, uh, describe, describe the, the circumstances or describe the God you walked away from. And they'll usually hmm. proceed to describe a God that I would have walked away from too. But that, that's that's not the God of the Bible.
1: Absolutely, yeah, exactly. It's the Jesus they reject. I would reject also, right? Yeah, and it's a, right. The a false idea, you know, of who Jesus is, and that's our challenge, right? We in a post-Christian culture, most people have some view of the church and 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 who Jesus is, but it's often a distorted view. And so that is that is our challenge that we have to navigate.
0: Yeah. All right, Aaron, here comes the big question now. Uh, and this is going to probably eat up uh, our next 15 minutes of time, because I think this is really a big question, is how do you build bridges to people? How do you uh, connect to people, uh, people who are saying, look, I'm not religious uh, without affirming their lifestyle? I mean, yeah. I, I don't I don't want to be accommodating anybody's sin. Right. And I don't think you do either. <laughs> but yep. you want to build friendships and relationships yep. uh without affirming their lifestyle. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is this is probably our greatest challenge today. And uh you know because the culture says so so here one of the if you if we understand our culture today, one of our cultural beliefs is this idea that you can believe whatever you want to believe so long as you don't push that view on others and there's a sense of you know, we, we we should accept all and we should tolerate all. That's kind of this philosophical belief. And it kind of leads to this idea of moral relativism. Um, and so there, there's this idea there. And what it means is that, but the, the truth is that for you to love me, you must affirm everything about me. That is one of the great lies of our culture. That Amen. love equals affirmation. Right. And so often before we can even get to the truth of the gospel, like I said a little, a few minutes ago, we have to understand what are those things that obscure their view of Jesus and the cross. Well, one of the views is that love equals affirmation. And and because what that, what that means is you can't love me unless you agree with me. But that, that of course doesn't really make sense if you think about it. Like, like if you think about i have I have four kids, and if I let my four year old my youngest just do whatever he wanted, I would not be a very loving dad mm-hmm. right I, I i I put restrictions in place for him for his good, and so challenging this notion that love equals affirmation is often the first step that we need to have that we can create an environment where, hey, I love you, and I will treat you with love and respect even if I disagree with you. And st- so often it just starts there is, is having a conversation about love and affirmation. And is it possible to love each other, even if we disagree? And so having that conversation is often a good start.
0: Mm-hmm. Is love is th- is truth hard or soft? Ooh. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm not sure I know what I mean. I was hoping you just answer it. Um, you, you know, we, when we tell the truth, it's it can be really uh, obviously difficult for people, but it's the truth. Yeah. Uh, right, and, and yeah, yeah, and you want to have those guardrails up of you know love and grace, uh, so people don't go off the highway. But I remember this uh, physician who was who a surgeon, and he took his his boys and a group of people up to the uh, Boundary Waters, and there was an accident that required him to perform a little bit of minor surgery, and he said to his son, he goes. I, I'm going to hurt you, but I would never harm you. And mm. he told him the truth. He said, this is going to hurt, yeah. uh, but I'm not going to harm you. Uh, so in yeah. other words, I'm, my truth is going to be ultimately loving, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah. Yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah, I think like one of the the, the things is to understand So a lot of times when people ask me questions about, you know, Christian morality and why do, why do Christians want to impose their morality on others? And, and, and that's kind of where this whole challenge comes up. It's, it, part of it is reframing it, reframing God's law, reframing Christian morality, not from a set of, you know, you know, things you cannot do or limitations, but rather seeing it from the perspective of a loving father right who god created me on purpose he created me to operate my body and my relationships and everything i do in a certain way and that he did that so that i can thrive right in the same way that i put guardrails around my kids activities it's so it's for my my the sake of You know, it's out of love that I set those boundaries up. And so often we make this about restriction and limiting freedom when in reality, God's ways are for our good. And you can even think about it in different ways. Like today, a lot of people are very, you know, they want to like, what are the latest studies on nutrition or health and exercise? And the the, the reality, the tangible reality there is the more I align myself to the truth of how my body was designed, the more I eat right and exercise right, the better it is for me. Well, the same is true for God's moral framework. The more I align myself to the way God designed me, the better it is for me. And it's not to limit my freedom or or to take away the fun, it's for my good. And so often we, we, we get stuck on what you can't do and instead of presenting a positive vision of, of thriving under God's way of design.
0: Everything you say, Aaron, is making tons and tons of sense. But there you go. You know, sometimes common sense and and and, and biblical instruction is something that the, the 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 sinful mind just rebels against. Just plain yeah. and simple. You know, then there's some people that who are hostile to the gospel yet still follow certain uh, regimens for exercise and and diet and all that kind of stuff. But you know, just the when you are born again and you've placed your trust in Christ and you are living uh today with hope for tomorrow and light of eternity i always think it's easier to make decisions today because you have eternity in mind
1: yeah yeah no absolutely and, and it's it's kind of it's funny it's it's the whole idea of delayed gratification which yes. is something like a- Teach my kids, right? Like the reason I, I discipline my body or eat right or study hard is because the, not because I want to suffer now. It's because I believe the rewards later are so much greater. And, you know, but you know what's interesting about this is when you look at the, the secular humanistic worldview, which is the predominant worldview of our day, and you look at how it's working out. The consequences are actually quite devastating. This whole idea that, you know, I define my identity. I define truth and morality and all of these things are self-constructed. It sounds so good. It sounds so liberating. But the reality is the consequences are devastating. It's like, it's like, um, you know, poison wrapped in bubble gum. Right. right? It, it, and so, so I'll, I'll give you an example. A, a little while back. A friend of mine posted on social media. This is a friend from high school, non-Christian friend. He posted on social media that his son, who is about the same age as my oldest son, um, had been diagnosed with brain cancer. And when I when I saw that post, I was I, c- I couldn't imagine the pain and the fear and the anger that my friend was going through with his little boy being diagnosed with brain cancer and. And then I began to read some of the comments on his post. And he was getting things like, you know, sending healing vibes your way Oof. and much love and positive vibrations and, and things of that nature. And finally he was like, Thank you, everyone, for your positive words and concern for my son. And and I just saw all that and I couldn't help it how hopeless that all sounded. Yeah. Because the secular humanistic worldview doesn't have transcendent hope and the logical outworking of this worldview that says it's all about me, that there there is no outside authority that, that I need to align myself to. The logical outworking of that is a culture and a generation that is overwhelmed with confusion, with loneliness, with anxiety, sexual brokenness. Like this, this is the, the outworking of this worldview. This is the felt need of a generation. So, the reality is like it's not working and and of course as followers of Jesus we understand that because when you live out of alignment with God's way there are consequences to that and and of course our our response to that should be a broken heart yeah but so i guess i say all that because the the consequences of 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 living outside of God's you know design is devastating. Yeah. And, and people are experiencing that. Then the, the loneliness epidemic and anxiety, it's so common today. And so many people are struggling with it.
0: Yeah. Aaron Pierce is my guest. Aaron, you know, when I get people that come at me with, well, you know, I define me and I think for myself and I always will gently say, well, well I don't know if you really believe that I, uh, you know, you don't, nobody thinks for themselves. You align yourselves with views that already exist. Yeah. You no, know, tell me yeah. tell me your original thought and I'll 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 set you a thousand places where your original thought already exists. Yeah. It's so well, arrogant, isn't it?
1: It it is, and it's I mean it's the age-old sin of pride and self-reliance and I, and the desire to be God, right? Like cuz we're all no one is yeah, it, it the, the pride of our day is huge and that is ultimately what separates us from God, right? Mm-hmm. And And yet so many people are hungry for, you know, something. It's interesting because in our culture today, even though we're post-Christian, most people are not atheist. Most Mm -hmm. people believe in some form of spirituality
2: Mm -hmm. because
1: they believe that there's got to be something more to life. There's got to be more to life than just... You know, pursuing pleasure, avoiding pain, and eventually I'm going to be in the dirt. No, there's there's got to be more, and so people are searching for something spiritual. They've, but yet often they've rejected cr- cr- the Christian worldview because they kind of like their, their spirituality without the accountability, right? And mm-hmm. so, it, but what it says though is that people, even though there's a lot of resistance and maybe even hostility at times, people are hungry. They are searching. They are looking for answers to the to life, but a lot of times they they for whatever reason misconceptions, false ideas have walked away from the church, and so the big paradigm shift is as followers of Jesus, we can't wait for them to come to us. We got to go to them, and and so that's a big part of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Aaron Pierce is my guest. When we come back, I'm going to ask him the difference between a spiritual conversation and a gospel conversation, and those are the kind of questions. That makes me the number one show in this time slot on this network. Uh, Aaron Pierce is my guest. His book is Not Beyond Reach, How to Share Jesus with the Young, the Deconstructed, and the Non-Religious. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy.
1: It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started.
0: I'm so glad to be back with Aaron Pierce. His book is Not Beyond Reach, How to Share Jesus with the Young, the Deconstructed, and the Non-Religious. I think this is a question I want to spend some time with, Aaron, as well. Uh, the difference between a, a spiritual conversation and a gospel conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think this is an important thing to understand in our post-Christian context. Is Again, like I said earlier, many people are open to spirituality, but maybe they've rejected institutional religion the church and so the the question is how can i as i develop relationships with non-religious people how can i transition that from a conversation about you know anything to a spiritual conversation and 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 there are so many things that are of spiritual nature a gospel conversation is is simply the message of jesus and the cross it's it's the creation fall and redemption centered centered on the life of jesus And his, you know, death, life and resurrection, that's the gospel. But often we need to set the foundation for communicating Jesus and the message of the cross by having a spiritual conversation. And, 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 and you find that it's, it's actually a pretty easy thing to do when you, when you think about the fact that so many things we talk about and care about have spiritual implications. Like, let me, let me give you an example. I was talking to someone, um, a while back who, had a, they, they were struggling with the concept of sin. And obviously you can't understand the gospel message without an understanding of the, of sin, right? And so many people in our culture, they don't want to, you know, sin is something we don't like to talk about. We talk about addictions and we talk about, you know, but we don't want to take personal responsibility. And there's this, this whole sin idea. And so I was having this conversation with this person and talking about, you know, well, what, what is the most, I asked, I asked, what is the most important thing in your life? And now most people are not going to answer that question with like a a car or a a career. They're going to say, as this person did, well, it's my family or a relationship. And, And so I asked like, well, why is it that, you know, I said, I agree. Relationships are the most important thing. But why is it that even though we all desire deep, meaningful relationships, every one of us deals with conflict and hurt and disappointment? Why is it that those things are so universal? And you can begin to take the topic of relationships and family and drill down towards a spiritual truth, which is that all our relationships, most notably our relationship with God, have been distorted by sin. So now I'm taking this this important topic of family and relationships. And I'm making it into a spiritual conversation that can connect to the message of the cross. So that's, that's the kind of thing that we can do in our everyday life is take everyday topics and make them spiritual topics.
0: I love that. You know, and do you think that we have medicalized sin? I mean, you're not a thief anymore. You're a kleptomaniac. You're not, you're not immoral. You have a sex addiction.
1: Exactly. are, are, Are
0: we looking for loopholes?
1: Yeah, of course. It's, it's where I, I don't want to take you know, if, as, yeah, we want to look for things to blame. We want to look for environmental factors or things beyond my control because, you know, I don't want, it's pretty, that's the, that's the offense of the gospel, right? It's that because of you, you know, it's, it's because of me that Jesus had to die. Right. And it, it's one of the offenses of the gospel. And we need to understand that and, you know, it's also liberating, too, though, because if I continually blame everything around me and I don't take personal responsibility, then I have no, there's nothing I can do either. I'm totally helpless. Whereas in this case, if I can admit I am a sinner and I need something beyond myself, you know, it's it's interesting going back to that relationship spiritual conversation, everyone is the, one of the great felt needs that we all have is the need for relational healing and forgiveness and reconciliation. Like, all of us, no matter how healthy our families are, we all have drama, right? We Mm. all need that. And there is no human that can meet that need for forgiveness, healing, and reconciliation. Only God can. And so it speaks to the sense that, yeah, I... Sin is the problem, and I can't solve it. I need something outside of myself. And so, yeah, those are ways that we can connect these spiritual conversations to the truth of the gospel.
0: Mm-hmm. Aaron, how do you stay the course when you get immediately shut down by somebody uh, giving you an objection or uh, they're trying to cancel you in the moment? So, oh, oh, oh you're one of those marriages between a man and a woman thing. One of those guys. Yeah. All right, well, I'm done with you. Yeah, oh, and that's Yeah, I, that's hard.
1: And I think that part of that is that you know, our it isn't our job to. We're not going to be able to convince people. Human words and and persuasion is not enough, right? We need the power of the Holy Spirit Amen. to transform people's hearts, and and you know, but that but we can't. But that doesn't just because someone rejects the gospel doesn't mean our friendship with them has to end, right? And so many so there are so many stories of people who were resistant for a long time who God continued to work and eventually they they found their way back to God so I would say you know we need to continue to pursue people and to be in their life even if they reject the message and in fact that's a that's such a powerful testimony because the world doesn't operate that way right it's this sense of outrageous love for those that that the world takes notice when they see that you love them basically goes back to your whole point about love equals affirmation. If, if you, if, if someone rejects the gospel, but I continue to pursue them and to show them love that, that really speaks powerfully. So I would say on one hand, we should continue to pursue people with radical love, but also continue to seek God that he would soften their hearts because our words will never be enough.
0: And Aaron, in the, in the, and as we continue to pursue people with this outrageous love, which I love that expression, I think we have to remind ourselves to return to the conversation and make it a gospel conversation and not just an ongoing spiritual one. Fair?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because Jesus and the message of the cross is the only hope for the world, right? Like that we have to remember that. I when I was growing up, I, I um I went to college and I was I was a follower of Jesus, but I was I was, I had visions of, of going into, to, to law school and to politics. I, I had this whole idea of what I was going to do with my life. And during that time, I went on a, on a mission trip and I went to, um, a part of Mexico, just a classic American mission trip. And I saw, as you often do on a mission trip like this, I saw the brokenness of the world. I saw poverty and injustice and suffering. And I remember during that season of wrestling with the Lord, just saying, God, How could you create a world that's so broken, that's so messed up? And I was—I went through one of those seasons of wrestling with God, and it was through that season that I had a revelation of the message of the cross, which is what I think many of us need. And that revelation was this, that God is far from indifferent to our suffering. In fact, he sent the most precious thing he had in Jesus to enter into our suffering, and that that, that all pain, suffering, evil, and justice is the result of one thing, and that's sin. And there's only one solution to sin, and that's Jesus and the message of the cross. And so I have to have a revelation of the message of the cross that, that it is the only answer, mm-hmm. that no, no, no amount of education, no, there's no perfect government system, the only solution. For all of what we're dealing with in our world is Jesus and the message of the cross. If I don't truly believe that, then I'm going to always resist taking that kind of jumping off the cliff moment and sharing the gospel because it is hard, because there is opposition. But we have to have that revelation of the message of the cross. It is is the only thing, the only hope for our world.
0: Yeah, you speak the truth. Aaron Pierce is my guest. His book is Not Beyond Reach, How to Share Jesus with the Young, the Deconstructed. And the non religious. We'll take a short break and be right back with Aaron.
2: Hi, I'm Susie Larson, host of Susie Larson Live. Jesus loves little children, all the children of the world. And right now, there are children in desperate need of Jesus, in desperate need of food and medical care. This is your time to become their champion, to change their life. When you sponsor just one child, you plant seeds of hope in their heart and you work together with people on the ground to change the families, communities, and the future for these children. You might not be able to change the world, but for one child, you can change theirs. Would you prayerfully consider sponsoring a child today? You can meet the kids and find your child at MyFaithRadio.com.
0: Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good. I wanted you to hear it again, so enjoy. Welcome to the show. Aaron Pierce is my guest. If you just joined us, uh, we're talking about his book, "Not Beyond Reach: How to Share Jesus with the Young, the Deconstructed, and the Non-Religious." And I'm pretty sure you know someone in uh, each category. And this is why this book is helpful. And Aaron's wisdom is wise. And I'm glad uh, that we're getting this time together. We only have about nine minutes left, Aaron. So. I know there is a lot of cultural stumbling blocks. I know we just touched on this in the last segment, but there are things that are just barking dogs now that have never been so loud, Uh, sexuality, politics, uh, science. And how do we go about uh, starting to build the bridges to our non-religious friends?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There are, you know, as we all know, there are those topics, right? These These things that become arguments around Thanksgiving, you know, the Thanksgiving table and became divisive and and, you know, and for, you know, often for good reason. But what I what uh, what I really encourage followers of Jesus is to realize that rather than, you know, choosing silence or an angry debate, that many of these topics, if you reframe them, are actually incredible opportunities for spiritual conversations that lead to the cross. I mean, if you let's take, for example, a lot of our you know politics or issues of social justice, which can get very divisive and, you know, people get really angry about that stuff. Even if I think about someone, a lot of the younger generation today is really passionate about fighting injustice, which is interesting, just on an aside, because if you ask an average secular university student where morality comes from, they'll tell you that fundamentally they'll tell you it's a social construct. And then in the next breath, they'll tell you how passionate they are about fighting an injustice. So it's, it's a, it's a funny dynamic, um, of, of the kind of like moral relativism and yet a passion for justice. And even that gives you an opportunity to question things because what's interesting about someone, like I, I meet a lot of young people that are very passionate about various issues and some of those issues are, you know they're fine, and others are are even anti-biblical. And but the the fundamental thing is they have a passion for justice. And as a follower of Jesus, I can I can look at that and I can say, well, what what can I affirm that's good about that? Their desire for justice, because someone that is politically active, fundamentally they believe that the world is not as it ought to be. And as a follower of Jesus, you can say, yeah, I I agree with that. Or you or they also believe that that. Justice is based on a moral code, that there are things that are wrong and absolute the truth. And so now I'm beginning to, to challenge these ideas of moral relativism because they believe, well, some things are wrong. And so there are things that we can connect to where we can, like, I'll give you an example. I was at a um, Thomas Beach in Minneapolis um, uh, a couple summers ago, and we were doing an outreach. And there's, you know, it's a big... Uh, you know, it's a beach and we had a barbecue and, and lawn games, and we were inviting people to come have conversations. And there's this one guy that came up to me and he had a bunch of tattoos. And I struck up a conversation with him and I said, Hey, what do your tattoos mean? And he said, Oh, well, it means, and he and I said, Well, which tattoo? And I said, Well, that one. And he he pointed to uh, a tattoo that had three downward facing arrows. And I found out later that the symbol that he was describing was actually like this hardcore left a leaning political activist group that's very hostile to the gospel and and we began a conversation about it and I said well you know tell me about why you believe what you believe and he was talking about how he saw so much brokenness and injustice in the world and he felt like we needed to find a way that was better that that alleviated suffering and I said to him man I I really respect that you know I don't think necessarily that the the your answer to that solution is what I agree with but I respect your desire to make a difference in a broken world i and i said i'm an activist too and i said i'm a jesus activist and i believe that fundamentally this the only solution to the brokenness of our world is a is a heart that is renewed by by what jesus did on the cross and i was able to have this conversation with this left-leaning political activist guy about the gospel because I could talk about the things that where we found common grounds and bring it to the gospel message. And I think there are many opportunities to do that.
0: Yeah. I had Greg Kokel on. I think you probably know Greg or know of him. He's an apologist. And he, he always says, well, you know, when you meet someone at the table, try to get them to put as many things on the table as you can, Mm because now you've got things on the table that they put down that you can talk about. Exactly. Which I think is kind of a description of what you just said. You know, you, you had him describe what, the justice man. He sees the brokenness. He sees things that he wants to do. All right. There's something that he values that he just put on the table and you went, you know what? I agree with that too. So now you got common ground to work with.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then, and then you can begin to ask questions. You know, I think where it goes wrong sometimes in politics, political conversations is that we get hung up on what I would consider downstream like my my political perspective is downstream from my worldview and i shouldn't be surprised that people who don't know jesus don't have a biblical worldview right like it makes sense and so the goal for me is not to um convince them to adopt my political perspective the goal is for them to meet jesus to meet the person of jesus and what he did on the cross because if they encounter jesus if they they see you know their own sin and see understand what Jesus did on the cross for them. that changes everything downstream, but sometimes we get stuck focusing on secondary things first before they meet Jesus, and that is often counterproductive
0: mm-hmm. so I think
1: that's one thing to understand
0: yeah, Aaron Pierce is my guest. His book is Not Beyond Reach: How to Share Jesus with the Young, the deconstructed, and the nonreligious aaron let's talk a little bit about uh being led by the Holy Spirit regarding timing. Um, I had a conversation on Friday with this guy who worked behind the meat counter at this grocery store and I engaged him just in some banter and then I found out he was ADHD, uh, anxious, anxiety, depression and the whole thing. And and I thought, oh, and I ended up talking for about 15 minutes and uh, I was saying, Bill, should I, should I introduce the the gospel to him right now and I thought no I I'm going to go back time and time again I'm going to build a little bit of trust with him and maybe the next time or the time after that uh, just how do you how do you follow the leading of the holy spirit in your timing and approach with people who uh, are maybe going to not respond well to the gospel
1: yeah I think, by the way I think that was perfect you know I think the the idea is this like the goal is not for me to share the gospel the goal is for people to hear it and to receive it like those are actually two different things and sometimes we can get hung up on like me sharing the gospel versus hearing god how do you want me to respond to this moment because success as a follower of jesus is not defined by success as far as jesus is obedience Mm -hmm. right Obedience, the move of the spirit and there are times when god's going to call you to be like just call something out bold and prophetic and say you need to maybe you need to repent and god would call you do that other times he wants you to be a good friend and to build that relationship over time and to begin to challenge assumptions that are standing in the way of the cross and communicate it obviously we want to communicate the cross as quickly as we can but success is about obedience and so often we're not we're not in tune to how God is moving. And there are times when he's going to call us to be patient and to 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 show love or to challenge a misconception that someone has. And so it's not a formula, I guess, is the main point, right? It's not yeah. a formula. You've got to be dependent on the Spirit. And it's when we're working in the power of the Holy Spirit that we see God move supernaturally through us, which so is fundamentally what the gospel is all about right it's not a transfer of information it's a supernatural revelation of the truth
0: mm-hmm. and then just as we parted from our conversation because he admitted that he has social awkwardness talking to people and i was able to after 15 minutes on a not very busy night i said to him well i think you did a spectacular job communicating um, awesome and uh, he just got kind of this big dumb smile on his face and I thought, all right, I know his name. I know where he, I know where he works <laughs> and I'll have another opportunity. So and
1: that's beautiful. Yeah. And so uh, real quick on that one. So many people are starved for encouragement I know. and for, do something like that is such a beautiful expression of God's love. That's going to open the door for the gospel in a powerful way.
0: Yeah. And Aaron, you've encouraged us. So thank you so much for uh, being on the show today. And I'm excited for your book and I hope people get it. Awesome. Thanks. You bet. Aaron Pierce has been my guest. His book is, once again, Not Beyond Reach, How to Share Jesus with the Young, the Deconstructed, and the Non-Religious. You can learn more about uh, Aaron at uh, S T E I G E R. dot rorg That's all the time we have. Have a great night, everyone. See you tomorrow.